Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Continuing in the, I got a mic for you. We're continuing on the book of Nehemiah, and we're looking at uh, chapter three. You can come here, come close, closer here. You can, people can see you. Yeah. Okay. It's it's on. Yeah. Hold it up. Yeah, we can start. Nehemiah chapter three. Rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, this is how the city wall was rebuilt. The high priest, Eliashib, and his fellow priests rebuilt the sheep gate, dedicated it, and put the gates in place. They dedicated the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the next section. Zachar, the son of Imri, built the next section. The clan of Hasena built the fish gates. They put the beams and the gates in place and put in the bolts and bars for locking the gate. Merimoth, the son of Uriah, and the grandson of Hakos built the next section. Meshulam, the son of Berkiah, and the grandson of Meshezabel built the next section. Zadok, son of Bana, built the next section. The men of Tekoa built the next section, but the leading men of the town refused to do the manual labor assigned to them by the supervisors. Joida, son of Pasea, and Meshulam, son of Besodia, built Jeshena Gate. They put the beams and the gates in place and put in the bolts and bars for locking the gate. Melatia from Gibeon, Jadon from Merinoth, and the men of Gibeon and Mizpah built the next section, as far as the residence of the governor of the West Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harai. Harhiah, a goldsmith, smith, built the next section. Hananiah, a maker of perfumes, built the next section as far as Broadwall. Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of half of the Jerusalem district, built the next section. Jediah, son of Harumaf, built the next section, which was near his own house. Hatush, son of Hashabneah, built the next section. Malchija, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pata Moab, built both the next section and the towers of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the other half of the Jerusalem district, built the next section. His daughters helped with the work. Hanan and the inhabitants of the city of Zanoah rebuilt the valley gate. They put in the gates in place, put in the bolts and bars for locking the gate, and repaired the wall for 440 meters as far as the rubbish gate. Malchija, son of Rechab, ruler of Beth Hakerem district, rebuilt the rubbish gate. He put the gates in place and put in the bolts and bars for locking the gate. Shalem, son of Kolhose, ruler of the Mizpah district, rebuilt the fountain gate. He covered the gateway, put the gates in place, and put in the bolts and bars. At the pool of Sheila, he built the next wall to the royal garden as far as the steps leading down from David's city. Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, ruler of the Bethzer district, built the next section as far as David's tomb, the pool, and the barracks. Levites who worked on the wall. The following Levites rebuilt the next several sections of the wall. Reham, son of Bani, built the next section. 
Hashabiah, ruler of half of the Kila district, built the next section on behalf of his district. Babai, son of Hinadad, ruler of the other half of the Kila district, built the next section. Ezer, son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, built the next section in front of the armory as far as the place where the wall turns. Baruch, son of Zabai, built the next section as far as the entrance to the house of the high priest Eliashib. Meremoth, the son of Uriah and grandson of Hakos, built the next section up to the far end of Eliashib's house. Priests who worked on the wall. The following priests rebuilt the next several sections of the wall. Priests from the next area around Jerusalem built the next section. Benjamin and Hashub built the next section which was in front of their houses. Azariah, the son of Masiab, and the grandson of Ananiah built the next section which was in front of his house. Benui, son of Hinadad, built the next section from Azariah's house to the corner of the wall. Palal, son of Uzai, built the next section beginning at the corner of the wall and the tower of the upper place near the court of the guard. Pidaya, son of Parosh, built the next section to a wall on the east near the water gate and the tower guarding the temple. This was near the part of the city called Ophel, where the temple workmen lived. Other builders. The men of Sikoa built the next section, their second one from a point opposite the large tower guarding the temple as far as the wall near Ophel. A group of priests built the next section going north from the horse gate and each one building in front of his own house. Zadok, son of Imer, built the next section which was in front of his house. Shemaiah, son of she Shekaniah, keeper of the east gate, built the next section. Hananiah, son of Shalem Shalemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, built the next section, their second one. Meshulam, son of Berakiah, built the next section which was in front of his house. Malchija, a goldsmith, built the next section as far as the building used by the temple workers and his merchants, which, were, which was by the Mifkad gate near the room on top of the northeast corner of the wall. The goldsmiths and the merchants built the last section from the room at the corner as far as the sheep gate. Well done. Well done. Give him a keep, keep, keep the mic. Is, doesn't she have a beautiful voice? Yes, she does. Let me ask you a few, few questions. You can hold the mic. I believe recently you gave your life to Christ, yes? Yes. How many days ago? Uh, this Tuesday. This Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, are, where are the proud parents? There, Andrew is, is there. Why don't you stand? We want to honor you. That's, the, that's her lovely parents. Andrew and Mitra as well. You know, uh, can, can, I, mean, I think since we started the series, uh, Nehemiah, God is doing something. I mean, worship is different. The word is coming so powerfully. But God is also doing something in the lives of people. So I want to start off that and then I'll get into the word. Because when you hear the word, you heard so many names. You heard so, next to them, next to them and by them. And, and I said, where do you go with a passage like this? So I want to start off with a few testimonies. So I'm allowed to share this. I don't know. I didn't ask them. So this nothing is prepared. God has blessed her with a beautiful voice, right? Would you agree? And I, th I think that many will hear your voice. Yes. Has God opened up doors for you, opportunities? Yes. You want to share something about that? Is she allowed to share? Oh, go ahead. Uh, recently, uh, in my dad's boat, 
I had to do a recording for his Creek Tours boat. And someone from Air Arabia has recognized it. And they told that they want my voice to be done for the recordings in Air Arabia. Well done. Well done. Well done. You can... and, and not only that, but last Tuesday, both mother and daughter gave their life to Christ. Isn't it? God is doing something in the city. He's doing something in City Hill as well. Where's young Eddie? He's like a son to Eddie, you stand up. I want to, I want to honor you as, as well. Okay. Edson plays football with us. He's in the City Hill men's football group. He's been playing. He's one of our stars. Yeah? He's one of our stars. Nobody can play and dribble like him. Yeah, so he's been with us for many months. Two weeks ago, Eddie gave his life to Christ. The city, you see, lives are being built. Kenneth, would you stand up? Kenneth and Lance, yeah, those, the people who gave their life to Christ on Friday, are they here? Not here, okay. But they, they are working. They, they are normally working, but they come to Kenneth's city group on a Friday, Friday ni uh, night. Friday evenings. How, how many gave their lives to Christ on Friday? God, God is doing something in the city. Lives are being changed. As we read, the, read about Nehemiah 3, the walls are being built, but lives are being built up as well. Pixie has a testimony to share as, as well. I'm coming. It's, it's not over. There are many, but I... We prayed... Last week, of course, people have been praying for many times. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You can share. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. First of all, I want to thank you all for praying for me. I know many of you have stood by me at my time of difficulty, and it has been hard. But in it all, I pressed on, trusted God regardless. Um, there was a lot of pain. But uh, sometimes you have to forget about that and just continue to serve God and wait for God's perfect timing. I can testify to God's healing. I have, I have experienced a great measure of healing in the past week, 10 days, and I'm trusting God for full and complete healing. Amen. Amen. And, and that's, that's not all. In even downtown city group led by uh, Kevin and Anne, we've seen salvation taking place. But not only that, we've seen so many answered prayer. And I'm sure as we go around, there'll be many, many who, who have heard answered prayer. I'm just amazed at what God is doing in the, in the city. Yeah. Okay, so... Getting back to, to my passage, Nehemiah chapter 3, it, it shows us how a godly leader prays, seeks God, makes sound decisions, assemble teams, assign tasks, face opposition, manage crisis, resolves conflict, celebrates victory. This passage, I mean this book is a textbook for business success. You're a businessman, you're looking for success, looking for solutions, looking to resolve crisis. Nehemiah has it all. Yeah, And uh, who wouldn't want to learn principles from it? Chapter 3, I've read so many times. I think I've read it more than any other uh, 
chapter in the Bible because I was reading and reading and reading and wondering, what do I get out of it? Where do you go with a, a passage like this? Walls offer protection and security. Yeah, That's in any culture, any city, the walls offer. But in today's context, yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, You don't have walls protecting cities. Uh, Nehemiah 3 is not just about building the wall. It's not just about build, building the wall. As we look at our cities, the walls are being broken down slowly by slowly. What was wrong before is no longer wrong. Truth is relative. I remember talking to somebody in the office and he, and he said, there, there is, truth is relative. There is no right and wrong. It's what you believe, uh, he, he told me. You know, if he, uh, and, and today, if you read the news, uh, I read, if it makes you happy, then it must be right. You know, one of the leading sports personalities, this is what the person would say, if it makes you happy, it must be right. And then, who are you to tell me it's wrong? That's, that's the, the, the belief and the philosophy that's, that's going on nowadays. Yeah? It reminds me of the time of the book of the Judges, where the Bible says, everyone did right in his own eyes. When I see these things coming through the media, that's what I think. What, what is happening? Individual lives are falling apart. I remember reading this lovely story by Philip Yance in What's So Amazing About Grace. You know, this young girl, probably in her teens, uh, having conflict with her parents. Parents disapproved of the way she dressed. But she thought, well, it makes me happy. That's the way it has to be. The in thing. I'll dress like this. She started wearing uh, things that her parents didn't approve of. They had, the parents had an argument with her. She slammed the door on her parents and now she decided to run away. Uh, this, was hap this happened in the US. So she decided to, to run to Detroit. Why? In Detroit, nobody's going to search for you. There are drug addicts and uh, you know, thugs and notorious people. So nobody's going to come and search for you there. So she took the bus and she, uh, she went away. But when she went to Detroit, she joined the wrong crowd the wrong people, and as a result, she got into prostitution, she got hooked on drugs, and living the life. One day, she got a scare of her life because she saw on a milk packet her photograph then saying, we missed you, come home. She got scared. She did her hairdo, completely changed the way she looked, so nobody would recognize her. Over a period of time, she got, uh, she got sick. And when you're sick and in that kind of profession, as a prostitute, nobody wants her. They chucked her out. And she's now lying on the streets, living on the streets. She thought about home. She said, if I go back home, maybe my parents will, will receive me and accept me. I don't know. I've run away, but maybe they'll, they'll receive me. So she decided, against all hope, decided to, to go home. But she called first. She called. And when she called, there was nobody at home. There was the answering machine. And so she left a message. She said, hi, mom, dad, this is so-and-so, your daughter. I'm passing by the city, she says. I'm coming home. If you are there at the bus stop, I will get off the bus. If, it, if you're not there, this bus goes to Canada. Then I'm going on to Canada. Okay, and then she, she hung up the phone. She's wondering in her mind, 
will my parents receive me? That's the big question, right? She's run away from home, messed her life up, walls, the walls of her life have crumbled, shame. And now, will they accept me? What happened? Or did they not pick up the phone? What is it? She gets on the bus. In the night, the bus is making this long run from Detroit to a city. I don't remember the city. Maybe it's California. I don't know. But the, the bus is coming. It comes uh, towards, towards the night. It's, it's, it's coming to, to, the, to the city, her hometown. She takes out a, uh, you know, a mirror from uh, her purse, puts the lipstick, looks in it. She's all broken up inside, all broken up. And she's wondering that as the bus comes into the bus station, it's all dark. And she's wondering, where is my parents? Have they, you know, abandoned me? But you want to know the good news? You want to know the good news? The bus stopped on the intercom. The driver said, folks, we have 10 minutes, you know. And after that, we hit the road back to Canada. As the bus came to a screeching halt, suddenly the lights came on. There were 40 people in the bus stand. Her parents, her uncles, her aunties, close friends with a banner saying, welcome home. You see, a life that was crumbling to the wrong choices, the grace of God restored back again. Yeah, so... Lives can, individual life can crumble, but not in that. Family life can also crumble. The walls of the family life can uh, come down. Recently in Dubai, I read in the papers, husband, wife, child. Okay, there was a young child, but the husband and wife. When I read that the mother was kind of starved and she died, and it happened here recently, a few weeks back. When I saw that in the papers, I said, how is it possible? How is it possible that the son would starve the mother to death? How is it possible? What has happened to family values? I mean, that's just one of the stories, but there's so, so many. Where the family values and the walls of family are broke, breaking down. Business is getting tougher in the workplace. Business has one successful. It's no longer successful any longer. The workplace is becoming harder and harder. And each time I, when I read about the workplace, it reminds me of, of the people when they were, you know, when Pharaoh said, more brick with less straw. We give you less resources, but you produce more. It's, it's very common nowadays. And you just got to work and work. But God is calling us to be like Nehemiah, yeah, to build the city. It's one man with prayer is powerful. And, he, and, you know, God, through, through that one man, one woman, can change situations around. I have three points which I want to share. The first point is, Nehemiah assigned the right task to the right people. That was so key. Nehemiah assigned the right task to the right people. When you assign the wrong task to the wrong people, it doesn't get done. Or either you have to redo the work. Yeah, time and time again, as you read chapter 3, we find that they built next to him and next to them and next to that section. It's repeated continuously throughout the passage. Nehemiah broke down a big task into small manageable tasks. Now keep in mind, if because this wall had been broken down for, for many, many years and just left like this. 
And I'll tell you a little bit about the background later. Okay, But the wall and the gates of the city had been broken down and left for many, many years. Everyone knew what work they had to do and they worked side by side. Everyone knew. They had assigned tasks. You know, I've been in, in the production of, of food. And sometimes I go to some countries, sometimes my own beloved country, and when something breaks down, I've seen on this, you know, on this production line, when something breaks down, everybody comes and stands and looks. And, you know, and somebody's trying, one person is trying to think, but everybody's looking. And nothing get, get done. I've seen this many times. And some countries, you'll, you'll find that because they're waiting for somebody to lead and somebody will. But here in this case, everybody knew what work they had to do. That was very clear to them. Most of them built next to their homes. I think that was a very clever strategy. Nehemiah got people to build next to the homes. Yeah, Because when you build next to your home, you will security was so important. Yeah, for yourself, for your family, and they were willing to do it at to protect the family at any cost. It teaches us to assign tasks to people which they are interested in. That's what Nehemiah did. The people were interested in protecting themselves, protecting their home, protecting their families. They were interested in that, and Nehemiah assigned the tasks that people were interested in. If people are interested in the job, they will do it to perfection. We find there in, the, in chapter 3 that people from Jericho came, people from Tekoa came, and people from outside even Jerusalem came to build. Nehemiah didn't let them build next to somebody's home. He met them, he told them to build in open spaces, that next to that person, next to the person, and they willingly did it. So again, a very clever idea and strategy. God has given us various gifts. So where I'm going with this? God has given us various gifts. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6 to verse 13. Romans 12, verse 6 to verse 13. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, do it with diligence. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. And even in, in Nehemiah chapter 3, we find some people were building, building zealously. There was such zeal in building. And so here in Romans, it's telling us, Serve the Lord. Whatever gift you God has given you, serve. You know, it's wonderful to see many months back when the church called people to serve. And many people, I think more than 60% directly kind of stood up and said, yeah, we will serve. Whether it's media, whether it's, you know, uh, different uh, 
ministry is serving. Yeah, that's, that's great, serving church. But God calls us even to serve outside as well. Yeah, he, he calls us to serve in, in our culture, in our city, in our workplace. God is calling us. Why? Because in those places, the walls are crumbling down. The walls are coming down. And God is calling us yeah, to, to, to get involved in broken lives. That's what it is. That is what's written. That's how you build. Yeah, that's how you build the, the, the city and you build the, the church. Life is so important. Jesus Christ gave his life for us. Yeah, and therefore, you know, we got to have a compassion and concern for, uh, for, for, the, for the city, for people. Nehemiah, when he prayed in chapter 1, it is, God, what it breaks your heart. The things that breaks God's heart should break our heart. When Jesus healed people, most of the time it is out of compassion that he healed. People were healed, out of deep compa compassion. Yeah. Moving on to my, my second point, Nehemiah inspired people to cooperate. Nehemiah inspired people to cooperate. Everyone loves an inspiration leader, a leader who leads uh, people to victory. Yeah? Keep in mind that I said Jerusalem was in ruins for many, many years. The gates were destroyed uh, by fire. The walls had crumbled down. In Ezra, you don't need to turn there. I'll give you the background now. In Ezra chapter 1, King Cyrus of Persia, he was the first to send the people back. And he said, go and build the temple. You're allowed to go back. And he sends people back. But later on, there were troublemakers there who were outside Jerusalem. They didn't want the city to be built. So they wrote letters to who? King Artaxerxes. They wrote letters to him and said, this is a rebellious city. Do not allow it to be built. Because if they, if you, they build the city, they will not pay tax. If you look at the archives, you will find the, about the city. And King Artaxerxes goes to the archives, finds things that, yes, and he, and he confirms, yes, this city is rebellious, stop the building project. As a result, the building was stopped. The walls, the building of the, the city walls was stopped and lie, lay in ruins for many, many years. But here's the key. Proverbs chapter 21, and I love this translation. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, it says, In the Lord's hands, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all he pleases. Some trans translation says, the, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he can direct it in whichever way he pleases. You see, because the same king, King Artaxerxes in Nehemiah chapter 2, he, he tells, uh, when, when Nehemiah comes before his presence and he says, why are you looking so sad? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And, and Nehemiah says, how can I not when the, the people, the city of my ancestors lies in ruins, the walls have come, uh, are being broken down, the city gates have been burnt by fire, they are in big disgrace. He said, how can I? And what does the king says? What do you need? How long will it take? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he can turn it whichever way he pleases. Are you facing impossible situations? Are you facing situations that you think it's impossible, nothing can happen? God can change the king's heart. God can change the king's heart. God can change in the boss's heart as well. You know, 
Sometimes the thing that seems impossible can become possible. Yeah, time and time. I mean, I've seen it happen so many times. I've heard testimonies uh, in this city as well, in our church, in other churches as well, where impossible situations can, God can turn around. The Bible says that if a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies be at peace with him. That's what the Bible says. You look to please God in every situation. When people come to me and they're f facing challenging situations, I tell them, you do what is right first. You do what is right and then you allow God to come through. And he will always come through. Don't take a shortcut. Don't do what is wrong and then ask God come through. He might come through because of his mercy, but sometimes he does not. He allows you to go through it because of the foolish choices we've made. But God is merciful and he will come through. But when you're facing challenging situations, don't compromise. Stand your ground. Stand for truth. And you see, God will always come through. You know, David said, I was young and I was old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God is faithful to his promises. And God will keep his, his pro prom promises. God is a God of the turnaround. He'll turn around situations in your life. You know, he can turn around that which is broken and lies in ruins. He, he can do it. And he does it time and time again. You, you just have to hear the testimonies of people. And see where they were before. And after they come into Christ. Or after they depend on him and trusting him to, to work in impossible situations. God comes through and turns things around. Yeah. And sometimes some he uses other people as well. He'll bring people across your life to come and bless and change situations around. Nehemiah inspired priests, rulers, yeah, merchants, trades, tradesmen, uh, goldsmiths, perfume makers, even women were included. Yeah, they all cooperated to build the wall. Wonderful. I don't know how he did it, but that's amazing. He got almost everyone. M many of them were not builders. They were not builders. They were business people and goldsmiths, perfume makers. What does a perfume maker know about building? But they all came, contributed. He got them, he rallied them to work. Within, within our church, we have doctors, we have pilots, we have engineers, we have business people, we have homemakers, admin. We have so many people within our church. God has placed you there for such a time as this. He has placed you there for such a time as this. You know, this is, the, the, uh, you're here in this city, you're here in the city for the divine purposes of God. It's not just a career. You, you might have thought, oh, I'm going to Dubai for my job. You might have thought that, but God has brought you here for a bigger purpose. The serving of his purposes. Other things, yeah, he will bless. He will bless you in your job and, and career. He'll do that, but there's a greater purpose to serve the purposes of God. Yeah, it's like Joseph. Joseph went, he didn't know, but he, the, the, the sovereign hand of God was guiding him and, and directing him in, into Egypt. But later on, as he looked back of, on his life, he says, you meant for evil, God meant it for good. And he saw the hand of God over there. And Joseph, in every situation, he did what is right. He honored God. God honored him. When he was thrown, thrown in prison, he was forgotten by everyone. For two years, forgotten by everyone, but not forgotten by God. Yeah, because when the time came, God brought him out. 
and then he was next to Pharaoh, ruler. Yeah. And as I was reading reading this book and you know passage and reading other uh, comments about it, you know the people are saying God is raising up the Nehemiahs today. God, do it. I said, do it. Raise up people of influence in different places who can, you know, who can come and be so powerful and change situations around and build the city, build lives. God is looking for 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 people. God has called us to cooperate with one another and to build well. Wherever God has placed you, that's your sphere of activity. Yeah, whether the workplace, the neighborhood, marketplace, God gives divine appointments. Look at it for divine appointments. I remember hearing us when I say divine appointments, when God has put you in that workplace, yeah, we got to be wise in how we we speak. But God will always open open doors. He will always open doors and look for those divine op- opportunities. I remember hearing a story of uh, t- I think two young people. Uh, they they met met this couple and they were just got chatting. They said, "Yeah, we live in a caravan in an open place. Uh, whenever you drop, you want to pass by, you you can pass by." And they gave the address and they just went away. These people, I think, on a Sunday, they said, "Okay, let's go and meet that 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 young couple." They went. Amongst the caravans, they knocked on one door and said, do you know this address? They looked at it and said, no. They said, no, we don't know it. I think you got the wrong address. They gave you the wrong address. And they said, okay. And they closed the door and they walked away. But as they walked away, they said, well, we've got the wrong address. But perhaps God sent us to this caravan for a purpose. They had some prompting in their heart. And so they came back to this caravan and knocked on this caravan and said, hi, you know, and started talking and then the guy he invited them in said so while they they were they were chatting and they started to minister to of course share the, the gospel the man was a backslidden christian he started he was being convicted by god he just knelt down in that caravan weeping and crying and there you know and asking god for mercy and his mother who was probably in the 70s or 80s watching everything watching everything and then she herself was convicted uh, and she gave her life to Christ. See, divine appointment. It was a divine appointment. They, they took an opportunity, that, you know, of a wrong address, but God, God just used that. There was a divine opportunity to bring them the right moment, the right place to these people. Yeah, and God can do that with you as well. Look for divine opportunities in your workplace. Yeah. Which leads me to my, my, my third point. Nehemiah recognized the accomplishments of all the workers. He recognized the com- accomplishments. There are so many names there. Divya, you did well to pronounce all those names. You did uh, extremely well. You know, I will struggle with, with, with so many names and how to pronounce this, these names. Nehemiah recorded these names. Why? He wanted to honor them. He wanted to honor them. You know, and as City Hill, as part of leadership, we, we honor you. Those who are serving week after week, faithfully, coming here so early, setting up, and doing so many uh, administrative roles. We want to honor you for the, for the way you, you serve. Jesus said something. He is faithful in little will be faithful in much. He is faithful. As you're faithful in the little, little things, 
God will just raise you up and, and honor you. And I've seen that time and time again. No, no man's work went unnoticed. Even the men who worked, even on the dungate, their names were, were mentioned. Yeah, sometimes we can take people for granted. We can ignore them and uh, ignore their work, their commitment and passion. As a result, what happens? People can get hurt. People can get hurt and then sometimes they, they, they leave the church as well. We got to be people who will honor and, uh, people. Nehemiah was a people's person. He took interest in people. Because as you go on the next chapters, he cared for the, for the people, for the welfare of the people. He was a caring, caring man. Philippians 2, 4 exhorts us. It says, look not to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Look not to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And Hebrews 3, verse 13 says, he says, we are called to encourage one daily. Encouragement is so powerful. Yeah. Why did the people stop building, building the wall? It was discouragement. They were discouraged. There was no hope. They didn't see any future. They stopped building. And as we go on, the later chapters of Nehemiah, we will we'll also find that discouragement set in. But Nehemiah always came and stood in the gap and encouraged and motivated them. Discouragement is so powerful. It can actually paralyze a person's life. It can paralyze their future, their progress from moving forward. Just meet a discouraged person and you, you listen to their story. It's, it's a story of no hope. But the Bible always gives hope. Jesus always gives hope. Yeah? We need to be a people who can encourage one another and always give hope. The work is great. The walls are coming down. Gates are meant to protect. Yeah? What comes in? The gates. When I was reading this, the gates of the city, the gates, the gates protect what comes in and what goes out. We need to be people who will protect what comes in and what goes out. Whether it's in our individual lives, whether it's in our children, with the family as well, or in the church, we need to protect what comes in, what, what, what goes out. It's the, the philosophy, the, the lifestyle. We need to be people who will rise up and, and build. Yeah? Are you with me? Rise up and, and build. God is doing something in this, in this church. I do believe with all my heart. God is doing some amazing things. And we will hear it as we, we go on week by week. But we need to give ourselves, get in. Like Nehemiah, he rallied people. We need to come and say, yes, I am available to build in whatever way I can. Yeah? Sometimes we said, yeah, I go to church to receive. Yes, we need to go to, to receive. But more than that, more than going to receive, we need to go to serve. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as you serve, and the Bible says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So as you serve, you yourself, you know, others will serve you as well. Yeah? Can we stand? Can I invite the band back? We need to be people who will rise up, or people who will be build the city. God is calling us to be builders of the city, to stand in the gap next to each other, side by side, shoulder to shoulder.
yeah can we give ourselves to the purposes of god thank you for listening visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about city hill church <laughs>